Welcome to the Bridge to God's Word podcast with Carla Unseth, a linguistic consultant for missionaries working in Bible translation. We invite you to visit us at www.bridgetogodsword.org to learn more about Carla's ministry. Now, here's linguistic consultant Carla Unseth. Hi, and welcome to Building a Bridge to God's Word. This is Carla and Seth. Well, you know that we have been doing a podcast series that is a roadmap through the Bible. So looking at the major themes of the Bible and looking at how the Bible is one whole story rather than two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, or even as a lot of little stories that are just there to teach us moral lessons. Instead, we've looked at how the Bible is one story and has one major overarching theme, and that is God's glory, but has other themes also. So when we started out, I did an overview of the Old Testament just to help you get your bearings on how the stories fit together in the Old Testament. And then we went back through and looked more deeply into the Old Testament at how things fit together and how the themes of the Bible play out in the Old Testament. And then last week we finished the Old Testament. So I'd like to do the same thing this week with the New Testament. Just look at how it all fits together and how it fits into the whole storyline of the whole Bible before we dive in and go a little bit more in depth. So when we talk about storyline, it's important to remember that all stories have basically the same structure. And the Bible has that structure too. So I didn't talk about this a whole lot in the Old Testament podcast because it was really something I was just learning about myself. So I'd kind of like to take a look at it here with you. So basically every story follows the same structure. You start out with the setting of the story and it's peaceful, there's no conflict, there's not really any problems, but then there is a conflict. So something happens which turns everything around, we lose the peacefulness of the setting, and the rest of the story, the bulk of the story, is rising tension as the characters in the story are trying to find a solution to this problem, to this conflict. Then we reach a point of climax, where the action comes to a peak and the characters begin to see a solution to the problem. A solution actually seems possible. So then is falling actions. When the solution is put into place, the conflict begins to be resolved. And then you finally have a conclusion where things kind of return to normal. So what's really interesting is that the Bible has this storyline. And here's how it works. We have creation, the creation of the world, and the Garden of Eden, and that's the setting for the Bible. Everything is perfect. Everything is peaceful. God has made this world the way it is going to function the best. But then there becomes there comes this major conflict. Adam and Eve sin, and evil enters into this perfect world. The relationships between God and humans are broken, and even the relationships between humans themselves are broken. So now we have a problem, and the question that the rest of the Bible is trying to answer is, how can we solve the sin problem? How can we restore the relationship between God and humans? And how can we return to this perfection in the garden? 
So in the Old Testament, we have this rising tension. We read about different ways that humans try to solve the sin problem. Things like trying to be their own gods. We see that in the story of the Tower of Babel. We see in the Israelites, they're trying to perfectly follow the law. Will the law solve the sin problem? Then in the time of kings, we start to wonder, will having a king solve the sin problem? Can somebody regulate people into obedience and out of sin? But all of these things ultimately fail. And at the same time in the Old Testament, we're seeing revelations of God's plan. God has had a plan since the beginning to solve the sin problem. And I think that God knows that humans need to be at a point where we know that nothing else is going to work beside his plan. And so that's why we see all of these things happening to say we we can't do it. We can't solve the sin problem on our own. We need God's help. We need God's solution. So finally, we get to a point where the tension comes to a climax, and that's where we see God's plan put into action. And that is... When Christ comes on the scene, the birth of Christ, his ministry, and finally his death and resurrection. And that is when we begin to see the solution to the sin problem. We see how God and humans can be put back into relationship. So then in the rest of the New Testament, we see this falling action. We see this plan actually working out in the early church. And then in Revelation, we get to the conclusion. We have a final battle, but then after that, things return to peace and perfection when humans and God are once again in relationship and God is reigning. We've talked through the Old Testament and looked at how the books and stories in the Old Testament build this tension, and we've also looked at some of the themes in the Old Testament, and some of those are things like redemption and restoration priesthood and kingship. The redemption theme really starts when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and then God saves them. And actually God goes back to this many times and says, I am the God who saved you out of Egypt. So this was a huge theme. It's also seen, the theme of redemption is also seen in the sacrificial system. People are under the control of sin and evil, and they must be redeemed or bought back in order to be in a relationship with God. And that is done through the blood of animals in the Old Testament sacrificial system. And that's, of course, similar to the theme of restoration, which is seen in the many times that Israel falls away from God and is restored, and that culminates in their exile in Babylon, and then at the end of the Old Testament, being restored to the land. So we also see the theme of priesthood in the sacrificial system because it was the priest who had to mediate between God and humans. And we also see priesthood in the law. The law set up a way for humans to be pure enough to approach God. God is a holy God and can't be in the presence of sin. So in order for God to have a relationship for humans, there needs to be some mediator who can make humans pure enough to approach God. And that was done through a priest. And the Old Testament, the law is set up so that Israel could actually be priests to the nations. If they could perfectly follow the law, 
then they could be that mediator between God and other nations. So Israel would be a nation of priests. So that's one of the one of the major themes in the Old Testament and one of the ways that we see it just doesn't work. There needs to be some other mediator. So kingship is another theme that's seen as Israel rejects God as their king. They start out with God as their king. They reject God and they ask instead for a human king. So that reflects the question that's seen throughout the whole Old Testament of who is king? Who are we allowing to be king of our lives? God or humans or ourselves? At the same time, as we're going through the Old Testament, we can see God's revelation of his plan for salvation. That begins with the Abrahamic covenant. When God makes a covenant with Abraham, where he promises him land, a great nation, and that all nations will be blessed through him. Then after that, God makes a covenant with Moses. That's the Mosaic covenant. And this covenant says, if Israel follows the law, they'll be blessed. And if they don't, they will be cursed. So this is more of a conditional covenant, but I think it goes back to that idea of priesthood. He wants them to be the priests to the nation, so they have to perfectly follow the law. Then later, God makes a covenant with David, the Davidic covenant, and God promises that the one who will bring salvation, God had promised to Eve that someone, someone, some seed would be coming who would save people from their sin, who would destroy evil. And so in this Davidic covenant, God promises that it will be someone in the line of David. And he also promises that there will always be a king from the line of David on the throne. So it's important to know all of these things because when we look at the New Testament, that's where we're heading today, but we have to remember that the original readers of the New Testament had all of these things in mind. They knew the promises God had made and they knew the covenants. Okay, so let's look at the New Testament. Let's look at how the books of the New Testament are structured. And then we're also going to look a little bit at how these themes that we've seen in the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Testament. How we can see the climax of the story and then the falling tension and the conclusion. So when we enter the New Testament, we start with the four Gospels. So gospel, of course, you've probably heard means good news. So these four books, four gospels, tell the good news. That is, they tell the climax of the whole story, which is the coming of the Messiah. They're telling the news that the one who was promised has come, who will finally solve the sin problem and make it possible for people to come back into relationship with God. So what's really interesting about these four Gospels is that each one has a different focus to show a little something different about Jesus as the Messiah. So maybe I should say first that that is the major theme in these Gospels. God has promised someone who will come and here he is. Here is the Messiah. So when we look at Matthew, the book of Matthew was written to a Jewish audience. So the purpose of Matthew is to make many of the connections to the Old Testament promises of the Messiah. And then not only that, but to show that the Messiah was the king, that Jesus 
was the Messiah and the king that Israel was waiting for. So it really hits that idea of kingship. But then if we look at Mark, it was not written to a Jewish audience. And so its focus is a little bit different. Mark's gospel is fast-paced. It has more miracles than any other gospel. And so Mark's purpose really was to show the work of Jesus. And it even says in there, it's to show that he came to be served and not to serve, but to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's the purpose of Mark, to show Jesus as a servant. Then when we move on to Luke... Luke, as you might know, was a physician, and so his book is careful and detailed. Interestingly, he focuses on the aspects of Jesus' ministry that showed that he was the perfect man. So it really, Luke's gospel really focuses on the humanity of Jesus. But then we go to John, and again, we see something different. John's gospel is deeply theological and really focuses on Jesus' divinity. So he wants to show that Jesus was God. So when we put all of these Gospels together, we have a picture of Jesus that also begins to show us what God's kingdom is like. We have a king who came to serve and a man who is God. So in other words, when we see God's kingdom, it's unlike other human kingdoms. Our attempts to solve the sin problem are going to be turned on their head because we are going to see that Jesus solves the sin problem in a way that we don't expect. After the Gospels, then, is the book of Acts. This book is also written by Luke, and it begins the falling tension part of the story. And this is because we see the solution begin to be worked out in real time. What does it look like in real life for real people when we have the Messiah? How, how do we live? And that's what the book of Acts shows. It shows the early church developing and growing and spreading as more people find out that this promise has finally been fulfilled. So then after Acts, there are 21 letters. These are written by various leaders of the church. 13 are written by Paul. Of course, we all know who Paul is. And then others are written by James and Jude, brothers of Jesus, and by Peter and John, who are apostles of Jesus. And we also have the book of Hebrews, and we don't actually know the author of Hebrews. And these letters are where many of the connections are made between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So again, we're still in this falling tension. We're still seeing how do we live as a result of the fact that we have a solution now? How do we live in light of the fact that Jesus has come, has solved the sin problem? How do we re-enter into relationship with Christ? So they also helped new believers to see how the themes of the Old Testament are actually fulfilled in Christ. So to give you some examples, we have the themes of redemption and restoration. And of course, those are seen throughout all these letters, but really especially we see them in the book of Romans. In reading Romans, you can see how humans are unable to follow the law, unable to redeem themselves, and how Christ did that through his death and resurrection. Um, We also had the theme of priesthood. 
And again, we do see priest, the theme of priesthood throughout these letters, but we really especially see it in the book of Hebrews. It again shows us how we as humans are unable to fulfill the law. We are unable, even the Jews, God's chosen people, were unable to be the mediator between God and humans. But we now have this perfect mediator in Jesus. He is the perfect high priest who allows us to come into God's presence. We also have themes of restoration woven through these letters. I really like the verse 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So I like this because it says the old has gone and the new has come. We are restored through Christ. So the theme of kingship, we also talked about the theme of kingship or the lordship of Christ is also woven throughout these different letters. And the letters have a lot of other themes as well. And a lot about how to live as a Christian community. And again, we're talking about how do we live in light of the fact that the solution is here, that we that Christ has solved the sin problem and we can be back in relationship with God. So what does that look like? What does it look like in real life? And we find the answers to these questions in these letters. So finally is Revelation. This book is an apocalypse, and we kind of know apocalypses as like end-of-the-world stories, but really what it actually means is like to uncover or make known. So this book shows the final conclusion. It shows how all the themes are wrapped together, and the world returns to perfect peace and harmony when God again lives with humans. Here is where we really strongly see the theme of kingship. God is the king. All bow before him, and the world is as it was created to be. So you might be saying, um, is that really what the book of Revelation is about? I don't think so. I think it's about like war and scary things happening. So is the book of Revelation can be confusing, and there is so much imagery that's used, and we see these events described, and, and they can be a little bit scary because we're not really sure if they're literal or figurative. So I don't want you to be bogged down by those details when you look at Revelation. What I want you to remember is that the purpose of Revelation is to show that Christ is king. We see these wars and we see these battles and it's kind of like the final wrapping up of this falling tension. We're seeing the very end of things where Everything finally comes together, and it comes together in battle, but Christ is victorious in the end. Uh, Beth Moore does a study on Revelation, and she chooses Revelation 17, 14 as the theme verse for Revelation, and I really like that choice. It says, 
these, talking about these other nations, will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called, chosen, and faithful. So what this verse is saying is that Revelation shows the final battle and the ultimate victory of the Lamb and those with him. Those with him are victorious as well. So Revelation is really a book of victory. And considering our story structure, Revelation shows that conclusion. It shows how all these things are wrapped up and returned to peace. So at the end of Revelation, we see the world again in a peaceful and perfect state. It's even better than the Garden of Eden because God and humans are in perfect relationship with each other. There's no more evil and there's not even any more chance of evil. Evil has been finally defeated. And so that's how the story of the Bible ends. It ends in victory. It ends in peace and perfection. So that's also the end of our podcast for today. And I hope it really has helped you to see the whole narrative of the Bible and how both the Old Testament and the New Testament fit together to tell the ultimate victory of God and of the Lamb. So next time we're going to go back and we're going to look a little bit more closely at the New Testament. We'll look at the life and ministry of Christ. So thank you for joining us this time and I hope you'll join us again next time for Building a Bridge to God's Word.